and live. <laughs> Yay! Scott Rial and Sarah Hamill from wow. Journey to Freedom. All right, guys, this Yay. has been long overdue, many months overdue, and we're finally here. Can you guys tell us what this is all about? This journey to freedom. Well, Scott, would you like to start? What journey to freedom is and what it's all about? Yes, elevator, elevator uh, speech for this thing right here. Yeah. Journey to freedom is. Uh, I wrote it to be a, an entry level process for anybody wanting to make changes in their life. It actually is the first step towards change. Years ago, in working with people in transformation, uh, we discovered Dr. James Prochaska's material and his discovery that there were specific stages that we all go through when attempting to change. Those stages are pre-contemplation, which is denial. I don't have a problem. My wife changed, if my boss changed, if God, my family, you know, problems outside of us. So I don't have a problem. But the second stage was contemplation which Prochaska estimated close to 80 to 85% of the population at any given time would be in, which is I'm aware that there's areas of my life that need to change, but we are not committed to taking action. The third stage is preparation. We're now within 30 days, we're going to move towards taking action to change. And then the fourth stage is action, which is where we want to get. And what action means is that it's really looking at motivation to change is that there's two forms of motivation. Extrinsic motivation, which is just external pressure. I've got trouble in my relationships, work, job, life period, and attachments, addictions, you know, dysfunctional responses and things I'm struggling with. And that's forcing me to move towards change. And what we know about extrinsic motivation, external pressure is once it's removed, we have a tendency to go right back to our prior behaviors. But the main form of motivation that we're looking for to work on in Journey to Freedom is what we call intrinsic motivation. And it is not driven by external pressure. It's an internal desire. I see a lot of what we would call paradigm vision. I see the man or woman that I want to be. And I see the changes and how different they would live their life. That's what I want to be. That's where I want to move towards. And that intrinsic motivation is key to moving us to take action. And that's really what Journey to Freedom is designed to do, is to move us, do that internal work, that, pre that, pre that preparation to lay the foundation so that I can sustain change. Um, and we do that through two main tools that we use in Journey to Freedom. Number one is what we call self-awareness, self-examination. Each week we take a deeper and deeper look into our lives, where we've come from, why we do the things we do, and how it's affecting us. Um, there can be no transformation without awareness. Awareness is the beginning of transformation. And then the second thing that we know that, that we learned is that what we call supportive relationships. Journey of Freedom works off a small group environment where we usually have anywhere between six to 10 participants. And those same people are together for the whole eight weeks. No new people come in. So it's highly intimate and we really get to know one another. And it's through those supportive relationships and that uh, in experience of truly being known that we uh, come out of our shame and out of our, out of our hiding and out of our shadows. And so that's a quick look at Journey of Freedom. At the end of Journey of Freedom, each participant then will write, we created a blueprint 
to write a personal plan of action. So you're going to look at your life spiritually, mentally, and physically. What specific changes you're going to make? What steps you're going to take? What action steps? Who your support is? And then just kind of a, a vision of what your life will be like when these changes take place. It is a spiritual process. I like to think of it as a, as a dramatic experience spiritually. A radical spiritual environment and transformation so that we all can move towards these changes. So that's kind of what Journey to Freedom is. It's going to prepare you. It's Each week is kind of progressing. It gets a little deeper, a little deeper, so you can kind of take your time. Because this has not come easy for people to look inward. Uh, we do a lot of work with feelings and self-examination. So uh, we try to make it the entry-level place for people to change. And that's why we found success. Uh, it's in YMCA's, churches, hospitals, counseling centers, prisons, jails, drug courts, all over the world are using it where people are trying to move yes. towards change. And now you're moving into uh, helping service members find freedom. So how long have you been doing this? These, these uh, Restore Small Groups, Journey to Freedom. We've been doing Journey to Freedom for over 15 years. 15 years. And as what trends have you seen? What, what brings people to the group? Whether it's, and I, I'm, I'm, I want freedom from anger, I want freedom from, what, what are the greatest trends you've seen that bring people to their, to their knees here in this workshop? If, if most people were to be honest and take a true evaluation of their human condition, you would find a chronic epidemic of lonely, isolated people. Doesn't matter if you're married, doesn't matter if you're in the church, doesn't matter if you're in the military. You can be surrounded with people. It's the experience of being known, as Dr. Thompson talks about in his book, Anatomy of the Soul, which was such a breakthrough for us. He says there's no greater need, no greater need for all human beings than the experience of being truly, fully known. Mm. And so as long as we remain an isolated people um, and secluded in our own shadows, uh, we just, all these dysfunctional responses, we see depression, anxiety, addictions, alcohol, sex, relationships that are just not working, empty, emptiness. And so people are craving, how do I change this? This is what Journey to Freedom is for. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so what's the greatest fear that people have? You know, that's a great question, Ryan. It's interesting. Dr. Bradshaw, in his book, Healing and Shame Advises, says that toxic shame is this horrible, destructive force. That it's a, you know, healthy shame tells me I made a mistake. Toxic shame tells me I am a mistake. When we start to internalize our shame, which is so prevalent in our world, in our society, um, we get lost. And what he says is that, that, a, that a person becomes absolutely petrified of being exposed. What I'm afraid of, Ryan, is if I really show you my true self, if I reveal that real me, you'll reject me. That fear that is driven by shame keeps us in this isolated, dysfunctional place. So Brad, uh, Bradshaw says the only cure for our failure, for our fear of being exposed is to be exposed. So yes. I thought that's, it's, I love yeah. that. Yes. Yes. But it is crucial. And I think this is where group works. You have to be exposed in a safe environment. So yes. it, doesn't, it doesn't work if you just,
just expose yourself in an environment where you're not sure how someone is going to receive that information. But if you can do it in a place sure. where other people can receive it, yes. hold it, and really honor it, and that's what makes the difference. So that's where a group is really a beautiful process. Well, I, I liaise with a lot of local local uh, pastors and small group leaders. Like, Ryan, how can um, – they, they almost get frustrated with, like, I want to take my group to the next level, but nobody opens up. And how how do we do that? And, and so my my take was on that was well, someone's got to go first. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you say about that, um, Sarah, Scott? Like, how do you create that safe environment? Where people will say, okay, so here's where I'm really at, and how do you do that? We've we've been doing small groups for 20 years, and that's a great question. We we believe that our small groups are a healing community, and that's the intimacy, but but the infrastructure of the groups that we have learned over 20 years, uh, we have a saying is that we create sacred space where a person can through empathetic, empathetic listeners, be present for one another, like Sarah was saying, and be safe. That environment is what is so needed in the world. And that's what our facilitators, we have two facilitators per group, and we work really hard on our training to create that sacred space and to protect each participant. Because you're right, like Sarah said, if I don't feel safe, mm. I'm never coming. You know, I'm not going to give you anything. Yes, um, but yet I'm craving to find that space. Yeah. And to work I, I think the crucial parts of that are one: you do have to have some boundaries in group where people can operate in a safe space. And I also think that the facilitator needs to have a certain amount of confidence that they've got it. Like you know, I'm I'm going to take care of you, and I've got this space, and I'm going to hold it for. You. It is the facilitator's job to make sure it stays safe and that people are are the boundaries and and then that third thing right that you mentioned is that the facilitator has to be just as willing to jump in to the the waters of vulnerability and we have to we have to wade into those waters as well and admit that we're still on the journey it's not um we, we haven't finished the journey we don't have it all wrapped up it's a, our lives are not tied up at neat bow uh, we're all going through the same stuff um so we have to be able to admit that and I think that makes all the difference because uh, we've had many participants say, it's really nice to know that you're in this with me, that you're not sitting above me, looking at me, telling me what I should do or passing judgment. We're just in there too as human beings participating. Absolutely. Uh, I think it, maybe it was my wife or maybe someone else told me, they're like, Ryan, sometimes you like to swim in the deep end here. And sometimes people want to start off in the kiddie pool. And yeah. because when I first experienced freedom and this vulnerability and I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not afraid of anybody. Uh, my wife would nudge me and say, you're, you're scaring people. But it, at the same time in my mind, it's like, well, we're, we're Christians, right? Like we, we should have nothing to fear. So let's just say exactly where we're at. And I'm still learning the balance. Of, I walk in the first time and say, Hey, my name is Ryan. Boom, here's where I am. And people not freaking out. Yeah. Um, and, and that balance of, of creating a safe, a safe environment. I've also been part of several communities in Virginia because we have to, I have to, by the nature of my job, I got to move every, every two to three years. Virginia Beach was, was awesome, where we had almost all in the group 
jump into this thing. They tasted freedom and then they, they wanted it. Did the same thing in Rhode Island and Hawaii was probably the, the premier uh, where it was six families. And you talk about uh, what Bradshaw talked about and, and, and May and being fully known, being fully loved by being fully known. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, wanted to pick your brains. I know this is not the last time you, you'll get to be on this podcast because uh, if it has to do with freedom, I'm, I'm promoting it. And no matter what the program is, it's one team, one fight for this, for people getting sick. Um, I guess one thing I, should, I want to ask you too, what, what is freedom? Mm. What is freedom to you? Mm. That's a great question. You want to go, sir? Well, I think the answer to that for me, if I'm just talking from a personal standpoint, for me, I started to realize that that was happening for me when I could make different decisions, but not based on my willpower. I started to realize that when I started to make different decisions in life, and they were the same problems I'd always struggled with, um, and for me, this was a spiritual solution. It's finally me admitting I could not do it by myself yeah. and really sitting and turning it over to God. But then I would see changes start to happen to me in which I'd be in the same situation as I was in before, but now I could make different choices. And I, and it, and it's sort of an experience happening to me, not because I, because normally I know exactly what decision I would have made in, in under normal circumstances. And then suddenly I had ability to to transform that decision to make a different decision and it wasn't just about willpower it's like I could i wasn't white knuckling it and just trying to get through it i could feel transformation happening but it was very it's very slow and oftentimes very subtle um and it's over time so for me freedom is just that journey of being patient and letting the transformation happen knowing that nothing's going to be fixed in a few months you know, it's, it's a lifetime journey. So that's what freedom is to me is to, is to be able to look back now on 20 years of emotional work and go, Oh, I am definitely not in the same place I was 20 years ago, but it didn't all happen overnight. Um, you know, it's a slow journey. I think gives us a little bit at a time of what we can handle in our own transformation. And then suddenly you wake up one day, 20 years later and go, wow, what a journey (laughs) this has been in, into freedom. And I feel, I think the biggest, uh, result of that is just peace. Uh, I can have a lot of emotions. I can have seasons, uh, see, whole seasons that are um, uh, difficult and are struggle. But uh, but I still ne- never sort of lose that sense of peace that God is with me. So I think it's one word always comes to my mind. That's transformation. Freedom is, when I love when Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who now lives in me. Transformation means I'm a different person. I, I, I can make different choices, uh, not through my ego and trying to control, but, but out of a freedom, I'm different. I have different desires. Those desires have been transformed. I think differently. I, I see myself differently. That, that whole paradigm has been transformed. Um, and, and I'm growing in the likeness of Christ. And I really believe that the transformation process begins at journey of freedom. So if somebody was really seeking, wanting to find freedom, make changes in their life, 
uh, this is the place to start. It's it's uh, it's a great great you know journey, uh, and that's and I like I use the word journey because it's it's a process. Transformation comes through a process. I've always said that the definition of transformation was was consistency plus time plus grace equals transformation. And the consistency is I just keep showing up with my mistakes and my broken self. And time, um, it takes time for um, these changes to take place and take root. Um, and then grace, which is the most powerful force in the universe, that's the power that transforms us into different people. Um, and uh, man, I get excited just talking about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I muted myself. Um, it's so good for me to be talking about this. I'm excited too. That's what I was saying. And I, I've been consumed by this whole COVID thing and um, quarantine, but like, just to talk about freedom again. So I'll, let me just let me just be transparent here and, and, and vulnerable. Um, I've read so many books on freedom, on change. I've read Anatomy of the Soul. I've read um anatomy uh of shame is that it mm -hmm. i've read uh all these things and what came in the mail yesterday was uh across protraska's book ah yes and then i still look in the mirror and i'm like when am i ever going to change mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm talking about my anger issues i'm talking about being draconian dad i'm and in my mind it's it's the same thing brian i hear, I hear the holy spirit say don't make something matter more that doesn't matter most. It's just toys. It's just like milk. And and I, I can hear that voice, but I'm saying like, ah, and then I and then verbally start pummeling my kids, criticizing my wife, things like that. And I'm like, will I ever be free? So I guess my question is like, what does freedom have to do with being completely delivered of those things, or is, is that even the right mindset in mm. your thoughts? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that I do think that, and this is where I think we, the journey to freedom strikes balance. There is absolute, uh, I don't think there's transformation without spirituality. I don't think there's transformation without God. Um, I don't, because I don't think we can get beyond ourselves without being able to turn all of that at some point over and admit no matter how much I try, trying is not really gonna, gonna do it. I have to have some power other than myself helping me transform. But then I also think the other side of that is that there really is a, a psychological process of going back into our histories, our stories, um, the, the narratives we were given as kids why we react and i think that's where we have to dig into why do i react to some of these things the way that i do like what is it what message was i given at some point that tells me um you know and i'll just use your example like what where was the message that says all the toys have to be picked up uh sometimes you know and so for me like if i go back into my childhood i know exactly because i i feel you like uh in my house that the cleanliness and the control and the things must be where they should be. Well, that was a message I got my whole childhood. So I know where that comes from. And me I, like acknowledging that, that that was my parents thing. And they taught me that thing. And now if my kids don't do it, it triggers me. 
because I that's to me symbolizes somehow cleanliness equals control equals good equals yeah I don't know like it it all it it becomes um, something else so I do think that there's a dual spirituality plus psychology piece that we're doing in Journey to Freedom that we really do have to go back into our stories and ask ourselves why like as soon as that has as soon as that reaction happens we have to stop ourselves and go why why is that important to me why does that trigger me what is it that if they did pick up all the toys like what why why would that make me happy um or would that make me happy or is that just my means of controlling my environment so those are the things that i think uh we dig into as well it's not just about the relationship with god which i think is the ultimate but it's also why am i the person i am like what what story what narrative what worldview was i given that now this is how i react to the world that's hugely important. So, yeah, and Ryan, I would say that um, yeah, you can read all those books, but if you're not in a process, in a daily process, and connected to a community that's connected to that transformational process, knowledge is not going to just doesn't move us. Um, that's why I really believe that progress, pro- progressive victory over these areas. It's all about growth. It's all about growth. Two steps forward, one step back. And uh, you just, the number one reason I see people fall back into their prior behaviors is they, they, they disconnect from the process, from the community. You just, you gotta be vigilant and, and, and just every, you just gotta work it. And as they say, it works if you work it. Yes, no, and it does remind me, you know, as I've been doing soul work or emotional work as you call it for years. And uh, when I become isolated, Mm-hmm. that's when I wake up I'm like oh, oh my gosh I, I haven't connected with my guys with my with my group and one of my pastors said that uh, isolation is not the worst thing we do but it's how we do the worst thing mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see journey to freedom come to to target uh, service members specifically uh, here in on the west coast and uh, it's just what I it's what I love so I would like to see spread and I can imagine a world I always dream about this people set free from toxic shame Mm -hmm. people living uh, fully loved by being fully known and then the enemy just lose grip on everybody and this whole lie about hiding just gets blown up so Mm -hmm. I'm excited this is kingdom kingdom stuff for me so any any uh, words imparting for for our listeners on this show and anything about freedom. Mm. I'm, I'm, I keep showing it because so people can see what it looks like. <laughs> I think one of the most hopeful messages and it's in Prochaska's book, uh, but it, it's always for me, for my personal life, but also what I try to tell people in group too. Um, Prochaska uses, he hates the word relapse. He always uses the word recycle. And I think that is the message of hope to anybody who's looking to change is that you're probably going to circle the same problem about 50 times, (laughs) but he has this visual in the book of the, of the stairwell, the circular stairwell that's going up. And so you're circling the same problem, but you're never quite in the same place. So every time you circle it, you're learning something. You have the opportunity to learn something about how did I react in that situation? What can I learn from that situation? What might I do differently the next time? 
So it's never failure. I think we get very stuck in like, it's all or nothing. I'm succeeding or I'm failing. And, you know, that's how we, like a lot of times with like weight loss or workouts, that's how we look at it. I'm working out five days a week or I'm not working out at all. Um, and there's a, and just remembering that uh, a setback is not a failure. So to not just abandon, um, just keep, just keep going, just keep going because every time you're increasing your awareness around who you are, how you react, how you emotionally deal with your life, um, what is your relationship to God? And it is happening. There is change happening. It's just sometimes really hard to see. So that would be my final message is for no one to give up on that process and just, and just keep going. That's awesome. Yeah, and my last message would be that, that so many people are missing a, what we would call a healthy, secure attachment in their lives. Um, maybe they didn't have their childhoods, but we need them all our lives. And that's, um, that secure attachment provides the divine mirror that we need to, to reflect back to us what we can't see, our perceptions of ourselves. You know, and, and so the small group becomes a secure attachment that God uses to reflect back to each other. And that just changes our lives. And so I just really believe that small groups are the most powerful transformational process that God has on this planet. And we need them. And we need it more now, I believe, than ever in the history of our world. So, Absolutely. It's almost as if he created us to be in community with each other. You know? <laughs> Just Not like, yeah, like the Trinity. So uh, lastly, lastly, uh, where can, how can people find out more about uh, your organization and what you do and where to get these materials? Well, we have a website, www.restoresmallgroups.org. Uh, so you can go there and visit. You can see we have testimonial videos. We've got all of our curriculums, our whole history. You can learn about us. And if anyone ever wanted to reach out to us and contact us, you can find all that information there too. Absolutely. Um, okay. Last, last, last thing. I would love for you to to, uh, to pray for us here in the ministry, in the freedom ministry we have going on here in, in San Clemente. California on the West Coast. So I covered your prayers and then we'll we'll end on that note. I'm gonna throw that to Scott because he's he's good at that. Father, we thank you for this this day. We thank you for the gift of our relationship with Ryan. We pray for his ministry with uh, the military. We pray for breakthroughs um, on his on the West Coast, all these men and women he is working with and the chaplains and so Lord, we just lift them all up to you and we pray that freedom would spread freedom would spread and through the hope and healing of christ in jesus name we pray amen